Hi, everyone. We're here today in the uh, Whisper Room at UNO recording our Common Ground podcast with Hugh Trempe, the um, leader of the Creighton Climate Movement. And um, we're going to be talking a bit about divestment and, um, yeah, kind of see where the conversation takes us. So, um, Hugh, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here with us, me. <laughs> Thanks, Michaela. This yeah. Is- exciting for me. It's my first time doing a podcast. It's my first time doing a podcast, too. <laughs> so we're rookies in it together. Awesome. Um, I love that UNO has this available for people to use. It's a really cool resource. Um, yeah, will you tell me a little bit about like your background, sort of where you're from, how you got involved, um, and kind of how you came to be in the place that you're in now? Yeah, absolutely. And and one detail I want to mention off the start is that I am one of the several leaders mm, of the Creighton Climate Movement. Yes. Um, it's a big movement at Creighton, yeah. and there's a lot of leaders that are all taking on different roles, mm. um, which makes it um, makes it the movement that it is. So yeah. I just want to point that out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm a senior at Creighton. I study economics in the Hyder College of Business, and I'm also pursuing minors in sustainability and cultural anthropology. Mm. And I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, And I grew up just outside of Minneapolis, actually, um, and played a lot outside growing up, Mm -hmm. played a lot of sports, and also loved getting into the wilderness um, any chance I could Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, me too. I remember I grew up in Omaha and um, totally it was just like my whole childhood felt like it was outside climbing trees. Like we had this little pine grove that I called like Fern Gully. Do you remember that movie? I do not. Have you ever seen that? Oh my gosh, it's this movie about like fairies that live in a forest and um, a paper mill comes and is like cutting down the forest and there's like this big evil like gloopy like monster but yeah so and yeah growing up in in uh ponca hills playing out in the woods Mm. so yeah i uh miss the simple days of just being outside all day (laughs) school mom makes your lunch yeah so how do you like uh omaha and creighton i i really like omaha um it's a bit smaller than Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and that makes it easier to get around and easier to just get to know the city mm-hmm. and um, really make connections and build community, which I've been able to do, and I've really enjoyed that. And I like Creighton as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a smaller school, and it's a really strong community, mm-hmm. and it's been really fun making and, and building relationships there. And now I'll be graduating in May, so <gasps> I'm not sure where I'll be after graduating. Yeah. Um, but wherever I'll be, I'll certainly be holding on to the relationships that I've made at Creighton. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, where, how do you feel like your sort of journey with the climate movement has progressed as, you know, up through, I mean, maybe even going back to, like, when was the first sort of moment that you kind of felt like, oh, this is something I want to have um, be a big part of your life? Yeah, totally. So the movement's not even a year old. Mm. Um, It started uh, in the winter of last year. It was second semester of the school year. Mm -hmm. And 
it was a small group of students that were concerned about climate change and wanted to see Creighton take more bold actions to address it um, and wanted to see them act in alignment with their values and their mission mm. as an institution of faith, as a Jesuit institution. Um, and we also just wanted to bring students together to talk more about climate change. Yeah. And as we take these classes about it and, and learn about it, um, it's an issue that's quite daunting and is kind of hard to uh, digest and internalize, mm -hmm. at least for me, um, if I'm just learning about it alone. Yeah. And for me, being a part of this movement and creating dialogue with others, and then also uh, working together to actually address it has given me a lot of hope mm -hmm. and has kind of helped me find peace in, in the midst of the crisis that we are facing, mm -hmm. knowing that uh, we can make change and change is happening. Yeah. Not, not at the uh, rate that we'd like to see it happening, but it is. Yeah, absolutely. I also find for myself, too, I think um, joining AmeriCorps and being a part of Common Ground has been really helpful just to connect with people that um, I know are feeling the same way and that you can have honest conversations with. Sometimes I feel like with climate change, it can be, it's almost like there's this fine line to walk between being like intrusive with your feelings on someone else's experience and mm. then also feeling like you want to connect with others and get engage how other people are feeling about it and like working through it on their own terms mm. but I guess too like one of the things that I love about being in um, you know I'm not part of the Creighton climate movement I'm not part of a student movement but I'm sure that being around peers as well like there's so much sharing of ideas and I would imagine inspiration seeing someone has like oh you like even just walking up and meeting you in the library like you use a handkerchief you know and it's like <laughs> oh that's so cool I want a handkerchief like I want a reusable like yes absolutely why not and kind of like just inspiring each other through little actions too about like even if it's a decision based on like whatever even if it's just personal style like oh that looks cool I can I could do that yeah yeah do you have some like moments of kind of like feeling inspired by your peers or like some big sort of like aha like oh yeah I'm gonna do that too now that I see that this person is doing it or oh yeah I'm gonna like read that book or are there things that have been really sort of instrumental that you've gained from being around your peers that you want to share with anyone yeah I don't know if there's any specific instrumental uh, moments yeah. that I can imagine but just a lot of small things like mm. like the example that you just gave um, but maybe it's just deciding to uh, walk to somewhere with my friends instead of yeah. drive or decide to bike or take the bus instead of drive. Yeah. Sometimes we do that. And yeah. if it's with friends that uh, care about this, these same types of issues, um, we can actually have fun doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Or choose to cook vegetarian one night yeah. instead of eat meat. Um, or... 
I mean, the list could go on. There's yeah. probably a lot more examples I could think of. Yeah. It's, that's, I think that's so important, though, like drawing people into the fun side of like, ooh, let's see if we can, how much we can tweak our sort of activities that we do together to be in line with the things that we really care about. Hmm. I think that's super cool. Yeah. So I know we've met before and you were saying how um, you sort of piggybacked on an organization that was already functioning at Creighton, the Green Jays, right? Mm -hmm. But um, it was sort of not floundering, but not really in its full kind of glory. You kind of piggybacked on that for to build the Creighton Climate Movement, which will you just tell me a little bit more about like how many students you have involved and like what kind of a you know, a school year being, if someone's involved in this movement, like what that looks like for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and regarding Green Jays, um, that was a pre-established student organization that is registered under Creighton's official student organizations. Mm. And it, it, hadn't, it hadn't been very active the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So after starting the Creighton Climate Movement, we were actually able to tap into that organization and use that as a means to do things that only um, official organizations can do, such as reserve rooms and reserve tabling events on campus um, and those kinds of logistics Mm -hmm. um, types of things. But yeah, the movement started with just a handful of students um, last year, and there's a lot of students that are concerned about climate change Mm -hmm. and want to talk about it. And the idea was, let's bring all these students together and let's talk about it. And we can talk about things we can do in our individual lives, um, but a lot of us already do that. So the the idea of this movement was more talk about things that we'd like to see Creighton do Mm -hmm. um, to really more boldly address the climate crisis. Um, And we also talked about what are other peer institutions doing and where is Creighton at compared to those? And in our first meeting, around 40 students showed up. We thought a lot less would show up, so mm-hmm. we just had a small conference from PACT, and over half of the people had to stand, wow. um, which was kind of cool. And we brainstormed what would we like to see from Creighton and ended up coming up with three priorities, three main asks um, that we then sent to the president, Father Daniel Hendrickson of Creighton, and we said, We are students concerned about this issue. Here's what we're asking, and we would like to meet with you in person to discuss those issues. And the things we decided on were, uh, the first one was make climate change education a requirement Mm. for all students. Mm. And the idea there was that as students graduate from Creighton, this is an issue that they will have to deal with in their future without a doubt. And they should at least be educated on the truth behind what is going on mm-hmm. with our climate system and what is uh, what are we and what is our society um, doing and how are we um, contributing to and perpetuating this and who is affected by it mm-hmm. and what does that mean for us. Um, and then the second ask was make a more ambitious carbon neutrality goal. Creighton currently has a goal of 2050 which we thought was kind of a joke um, compared to other peer institutions, such Mm. as University of Loyola Chicago. Mm. Um, They're on track to reach their goal by 2030 Mm. of carbon neutrality. University of San Francisco, another Jesuit school, 
has already reached full carbon neutrality. Wow. Um, and as a world, we need to be at or pretty close to fully carbon neutral by 2050. Mm-hmm. So if if part of Creighton's mission is to lead the world towards mm. a, a brighter future and, and just make the world more just, um, we should really have a more ambitious carbon neutrality goal mm-hmm. than 2050. Mm-hmm. And then our third and probably um, most bold ask to administration was to divest the endowment from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So for those who might not be familiar with what an endowment is, um, all universities have these sums of money that they've been um, that have been being added to since they were founded by donors, and it's invested in a diverse portfolio. And the annual return from that endowment um, gets used for the functions of the university each year. And Creighton, being invested in a diverse portfolio, has a certain percentage of that endowment exposed to direct extraction fossil fuel companies. Mm. And a few students started exploring this issue a while ago. And this information was not transparent as far as how Mm. much of the endowment is in fossil fuels. And after several meetings and several broken promises, Mm. um, we eventually got the number after we put enough pressure on, which was 10.6% in direct extraction, which was quite surprising because that would equate to roughly 60 to 70 million Creighton's endowments, around um, 650 million Mm -hmm. or so. Um, And that was um, getting that information kind of sparked our uh, further pursuit of divesting from fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. But going back to starting this movement, Mm -hmm. um, after that first meeting and this email sent to the president of Creighton with a picture of all of us um, at the meeting and our concerns listed out, uh, he got back to us and said he'd be willing to meet with the leaders of the movement as well as uh, a few members of his administration to discuss our concerns. And Um, Right around the same time as that meeting, we also held a demonstration on campus um, called Silence for Climate, Mm. where uh, lots of students came. We had almost 250 students, which uh, for Creighton, that was uh, kind of unheard of to get that many students students to come out and actually uh, protest something, Yeah, um, because that normally doesn't happen at Creighton. Mm. Um, So those students came out to stand in solidarity, in silence, for uh, three minutes and 50 seconds, Mm. which is symbolic of 350 parts per million Mm. of CO2, Mm -hmm. uh, which is where we need to be at Mm -hmm. um, to avoid catastrophic changes to our climate system uh, in the future. And right now we're we're well well above that. Yeah. Um, So the demonstration was very successful. And then after that, in our meeting with Father Hendrickson, we got a couple wins. He said that the administration wasn't aware that Creighton's carbon neutrality goal was so far behind other institutions mm-hmm. and that they will start a committee to reevaluate that goal and that they want to make it better. And they might even consider um, making intermediary goals um, for where to be at in a couple years so then we can eventually uh, confidently achieve carbon neutrality by our new goal, mm-hmm. which is yet to be announced. Because um, another win we got was uh, they decided to 
um, drop the sustainability coordinator position mm. on campus, which is a new position, mm -hmm. and actually add a director of sustainability, mm. which is a much higher position. Mm -hmm. um, and that director will be able to uh, do more sustainability initiatives on campus. Yeah. Um, and that director will oversee the new committee that will come up with the new carbon neutrality goal as well. Yeah. So we were really excited about those two wins mm -hmm. of the movement, especially given that um, we're not even a year old. And then after that, we decided to focus our um, resources towards the ask of fossil fuel divestment. Mm -hmm. And the avenue we decided to take with that was to actually work with the Creighton Students Union and pass a, pass a referendum um, that all students would vote on whether they were in support or not in support of divestment. Mm. And the idea here was to show that there's broad student support and also spread the word about divestment. Because mm. it's kind of a complex issue that a lot of people don't understand, mm -hmm. um, especially if they haven't heard about it much. So this referendum ended up going through just a few weeks ago, and it passed with a record-breaking number of votes mm. and a sweeping majority of 86%, wow. which we were really happy about. Mm -hmm. And it's non-binding, so it went on mm -hmm. the desk of the president, and he presented it to the board of trustees, and they, the president made a public announcement about a week after the referendum that Creighton will not be divesting for reasons of maintaining a properly diversified portfolio. Hmm which we have lots of thoughts about that mm -hmm. I could get to later if we have time. Mm -hmm. um, but I still see uh, the referendum as a win for us Yeah, because we went from just a handful of students mm -hmm. knowing what divestment is about six months ago to now the entire campus yeah. has heard about it and the vast majority has probably had a conversation about it, Yeah, students and faculty included, mm -hmm. and the wider Omaha community and even country has um, been talking about divestment more, mm -hmm. um, not just because of our movement, but there are movements on college campuses all yeah. around the country pushing for divestment, and uh, we are part of that conversation. Yeah. Um, and Channel 6 did a, a little blurb about it. Um, Omaha World Herald put out an article mm -hmm. about our divestment referendum. And the National Catholic Reporter wrote two articles as well, and they have a, a diverse audience across the country, Yeah, which was really exciting, too. Very exciting. My, um, like, layperson sort of understanding of divestment, and you can help educate me on this, yeah. is that the oil and gas and the reserves mm -hmm. that these companies hold already cannot be burned right if we're to stay within any sort of reasonable frame of parts per million um, hmm. and so the 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 effort to extract more fossil fuels to increase their reserves to keep their stocks high for their shareholders is it's it's like a bubble it's like the housing market bubble but it's a it's like a fossil fuel bubble so in fact it's actually irresponsible to continue to invest in these companies when their holdings right now are not viable. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. On one part, there's the moral argument for mm -hmm. why institutions like Creighton, that is an institution of faith, um, 
should not be giving this kind of uh, social endorsement to companies that um, have plans to extract and burn more emissions than our climate system can handle. And, and that is backed up by the IPCC, that's the Intergovernmental, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, um, their consensus that in order to stay below 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming um, and prevent catastrophic changes to our climate system, 50% of all oil and gas reserves cannot be burned. Mm. And 80% of all coal reserves mm. cannot be burned. And fossil fuel companies, the vast majority, um, are continuing to search for more reserves, mm-hmm. not to mention obviously planning on burning all of the reserves that they currently right. own. Right. Um, and, and their response, if, if they're asked about this, is, is usually, well, I don't think, they don't think that, um, that these international regulations for emissions are going to be abided by. Hmm. Um, but if that is the case, then we are in some major trouble. Yeah. Um, so also part of the financial argument is if we do abide by these mm-hmm. international agreements, mm-hmm. um, then if the stock price of fossil fuel companies is in part based off of the reserves that they own, mm-hmm. and these are reserves that cannot be burned, mm-hmm. uh, that's essentially a stranded asset. Yeah. And that's an extremely risky um, thing to stay invested in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, it's just so interesting when you do start to put all kind of the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, and like you'll hear people say, well, if you're going to wait for, you know, greed to go away, then you're going to be waiting a long time because it's so it's an aspect of our, you know, Mm -hmm. humanity that's sort of always been with us. And. While I agree that's true, I also think that there are a lot of people who, you know, are wealthy or want to stay wealthy that might not be looking at the whole picture of if this is actually a smart thing to continue to invest in. I don't know. It's so interesting because it's like if one goes, if the in, if the shareholders pull out, then these companies lose a significant majority of their power, right? Like I'm not an economics major, so I don't really know exactly how it works, but is that kind of the theory behind it a little bit as well? Like is there a larger sort of um, goal with divestment that the that these oil and gas and coal companies then would be sort of out of luck without the support from shareholders? Right. I think that's an important point that you bring up because a lot of people look at divestment and they say, well, if Creighton sells their stock in fossil fuel companies, someone else is just going to buy them up Uh and there's going to be no tangible outcome or change from that. Hmm. So it's really pointless. And to an extent that is true, but that's not the point. The point is um, that it's more of a symbolic action and Mm -hmm. that collectively... Um, our voice is very powerful Mm -hmm. in accelerating this transition away from fossil fuels Mm -hmm. to renewable energy. So if Creighton divests and then all of the Jesuit institutions to follow Mm -hmm. divest, that is powerful. Mm -hmm. And the divestment movement is growing a lot of momentum right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an international movement. 
um, and over $11 trillion wow. have been divested from fossil fuels thus far. Um, and it's not just institutions. It's also individuals. Mm-hmm. It's also cities. It's also entire countries such mm-hmm. as Norway mm-hmm. and Ireland who have divested everything from fossil fuels. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, uh, the powerful part of divestment can really come in. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, I'm just imagining a scenario then where, like, all these stockbrokers and stuff are, like, advising their clients to divest as well and, like, what that would look like. It could be so cool. Yeah, and actually um, that is starting to happen just mm. this past month. Uh, Well, in October, actually, a little more than a month ago, Mm -hmm. the University of California, which is the largest university system in the country, this is all of the public universities in California, um, announced full divestiture um, or their plans to fully divest. It's not going to be they're divesting tomorrow, but Mm -hmm. they announced plans to divest um, purely on financial reasons. And... These are the financial experts of the biggest university in system in the country mm. managing an endowment um, worth several billion dollars. Um, and that's that's a big decision. Yeah. And that's big news for the greater movement um, to show that the financial case for divestment is really strong. Yeah. And on top of that, the energy sector has been one of the lowest performing sectors, actually, mm. Um, the past 10 years hmm. in, in the S&P 500. Um, so that's interesting to look at, too. Not that the past performances are going to uh, determine anything regarding the future, but it's just another interesting point to bring up when you talk about the financial argument for divestment. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one uh, issue that we're trying to explore further at Creighton in our last meeting with the president Um, regarding his decision not to divest, one thing we asked for was the data and the information on what the Creighton's endowment is invested in. Mm. Um, Because if we could get that, then we could work with some financial experts to actually do what is called backtracking, Mm. where you determine if we would have divested, say, five years ago Hmm. or 10 years ago, what would be the financial outcome of that? And most likely it would be that we would have made a lot more money. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's pretty wild. Huh. So do you think that there's then a deeper, like, grain as to why Creighton hasn't, they they didn't, like, confirm your referendum and say, okay, then we'll look into how we can make this happen. Do, Do you have any theories as to, like, why they said no? Absolutely. There's a lot of (laughs) theories, and I have a lot of theories Mm -hmm. myself, and I think it's really important that we start to ask these um, these bigger questions about who is making the shots Mm. at our university. Um, How much of a voice do students have? How much of a voice does the president have? Mm. Um, Or is it big donors and members of the board of trustees Mm. that are really calling the shots? And... Are there, uh, is their understanding of what's going on with climate change uh, a, a holistic understanding or mm. is it faulty? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been interesting 
the exploring uh, on this specific issue that we've done thus far. Because in Creighton's decision not to divest, um, they didn't really specify why, other than we would like to maintain a properly diversified portfolio. Mm. However, 10.6% exposure in fossil fuels is actually extremely high. Yeah. According to a gal we've been working with that advises different divestment campaigns around the country, um, so she's very well-versed in uh, what is an average exposure in fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, she said an average exposure was 3 to 4%, and wow. 5 to 6% was on the high end. Jeez. So our understanding is that 10.6% is actually um, not di- properly diversified. It's actually quite overexposed. Yeah. Um, and also in, in the university's response, um, it included a statement something along the lines of, we are not ready to fully divest, um, and here's why. And mm. that was not what our referendum asked for. Um, it was a 11-page document with uh, many citations explaining moral argument mm. and the financial argument for divestment. Um, and in both the introduction page and the concluding paragraph, it included that we are asking for just 2% mm. of the 10.6% divested over the course of five years. Oh, wow. And full divestment by the time we reach carbon neutrality. Right. So it's an incredibly conservative, um, easier to, to yeah. come by and accept ask of ours. Yeah. And it almost made us want to think that the referendum itself wasn't even read by whoever made the made the mm. uh, ultimate call because of the language they used in their statement saying we're not ready to fully divest which is not what we were asking for right you weren't asking for full divestment mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. that's so interesting is that um referendum available for other people to read like if i wanted to go and read it just to educate myself about um, kind of the terminology and see some of those citations that you guys use? Like, is there somewhere I can find that? Absolutely. Cool. We would be happy to share it with anyone. Okay, so. awesome. Yeah. Good deal. Is it like online somewhere or? I don't Not think yet? it's online publicly anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it was available to all of the students who voted on it. Cool. And as well as anyone else in the Creighton community that was interested in yeah. Uh, reading it. I'd love to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's, I mean, yeah, it's just wild to, I guess there's it, just like a thread in me that sort of pops up that's like a generational sort of angst in a way where it's like, did you guys even read this? Like, come on, put all this effort into it. It's really important, like really very important. And it doesn't seem like a lot of times there's the same importance met from the people in a position of power to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I wonder how, like, you know, I think at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about, like, all the good things that are happening and and the hope that's out there, which I totally agree with. But how do you personally, like, kind of deal with it when, um, when you hit a roadblock or a speed bump, like, are there certain things that you do to help, like, psych yourself back up to stay in a place of, like, action and integrity in your own path? 
Yeah, I think it's really the community aspect mm. of the Creighton Climate Movement and um, just dealing with the issue of climate change in general mm-hmm. um, that continues to be my fuel and, and propels me yeah. forward to keep working on this issue mm-hmm. um, because we have faced a lot of major roadblocks yeah. that have been incredibly frustrating. Mm. Um, but when we can come together and reflect and debrief um, on these issues and know that you know we are all cooperating and that at the end of the day, we are on the side of truth mm. and justice. And, um, and that's what, at least for me, mm-hmm. keeps me going. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good reminder. <laughs> Definitely. It can be, you know, it's a crazy world. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. That really uh, helps me to sort of wrap my head around what's going on with the Creighton climate movement, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other sort of uh, like events that you guys have or ways for people to get involved? Is it just for Creighton students? I'm like, I want to come to Creighton <laughs> Climate <laughs> meetings. Um, but now I get it. Yeah, so we are in the, in the works of planning the future of the movement and what we want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ideas going around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would like to get more community members involved and collaborate with different climate groups mm. and community organizations that are all working on the same thing mm-hmm. um, to come together. And we're not sure exactly how we want to do that yet, yeah. but it's definitely being talked about. Very cool. Yeah. I could see some sort of amazing sort of giant round table meeting with like all sorts of groups of people that are doing cool stuff and just like one huge brainstorming session and like you know pump up (laughs) (laughs) that would be fantastic yeah we've been talking a bit in um common ground about doing like um almost like an essay contest about people's visions for 2050 like what their Mm. ideal world would look like and like helping people to kind of connect in with that idealism and optimism. Um, I think that could be a really cool thing to get going. That's a great idea. Not that you guys would be doing (laughs) anything planning for it, but... Yeah, I think I've talked a lot about the Creighton climate movement. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I guess I would say for any listeners out there that are of any age, but specifically if you're high school or college student mm. and um, and you're concerned about climate change and want to do something about it, um, get connected to groups that are doing something about it. And if there's not any groups that you can easily get connected to mm. or if you're in networks that um, involve a lot of people that are also concerned, start your own group. Mm. And if you don't have leadership experience before, that's okay, you don't need it. Mm. I think that there are so many people, especially young people, this is the issue of our generation, uh, that care a lot about climate change and want to do something about it. Um, There's just still not enough leaders to Mm. uh, mobilize all of the people that care about it. Yeah. Um, 
So get together with different people and you can all bring your unique gifts and abilities to the table yeah. and collaborate to address the issue. Mm. But that's what we've been doing at Creighton. And we started uh, really not knowing what we were doing at all. And we've came a long ways. Yeah. So anyone out there that might be in a similar situation to where we were a year ago, um, go for it, I would say. That's a really, really great thing to bring up for sure. Um, I was reading a book a few months ago called Soul of a Citizen. And in in the book, the author talks about the story that we all hear of um, people that we think of as heroes, like Rosa Parks, for example, right? And we hear about how she didn't give up her seat and um, the huge kind of stir and movement that that kind of kicked off. But you don't hear about the fact that she had gone to an NAACP meeting years before that and attended multiple trainings in civil rights about how to how to have that courage to do that. Hmm. It's not like one day she just woke up and decided I'm not moving. She had been actively trying to develop that kind of courage within herself. And I think that a lot of times as people were sort of just given the idea that you either have that or you don't. And it's like, no, you have to start somewhere and cultivate it somehow. And so, yeah, just going to a meeting or starting a group or whatever helps to strengthen that muscle for um, involvement and activity in whatever it is that that really lights you up and that you care about, whether that's clean air or clean water or or getting people to be active in the climate crisis or like whatever it is. But yeah, really following that thread of, you know, just go to that one thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I hope um, that our paths will cross again and whatever way that we can, you know, continue to support you guys and um yeah if uh if there's anything that we can do for you let me know and um i hope that anyone listening to this takes the time to check out um all the good work that that you guys are doing and that's happening around the country and around the globe with divestment and um kind of if you have uh holdings yourself maybe questioning if that's in line with the values that you have and yeah yeah just digging a bit deeper into how we can support our our values and our ethics with our actions i think mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i think it's exciting to see what's happening in omaha mm. regarding this issue with this project uh starting up with the creighton climate movement mm-hmm. with oppds yeah. Uh, proposal to be at, I think it's what, 50% uh, renewable energy in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Omaha Students Union mm. um, climate group and climate protests that have been going on. And yeah. the one that just happened outside City Hall that drew over 300 students mm. um, that were in solidarity with the millions around the world as part of Greta Thunberg's mm. um, Fridays for the Future movement. Mm. So it's it's cool to see Omaha a, a part of this greater global trend that's yeah, going on. Absolutely. And I'm really excited to 
see what happens in the future. Yeah, I think, um, you know, at times in the Midwest, sometimes we can feel a little left out of things. And this is a perfect opportunity to get involved with what's happening on the coasts and in huge city centers and epicenters of, Hmm. you know, culture. We can absolutely be a part of what's happening um, and be a leader in what's happening for sure. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And yeah, we'll be in contact. Thank you.